Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with your gardening quandaries. My guest this week is Wayne Grills, the Chief Executive of Bali, the British Association of Landscape Industries. I'm looking forward to finding out about greening cities, vertical gardening, and of course, all that Wayne's members provide for gardeners and those in charge of uh, open spaces. We had our first, what I would call, really sharp frost with uh, ice on the car windscreen when I got up in the morning, uh, last uh, Monday morning. Uh, but really, surprising really, not enough to knock out uh, all of the tender summer bedding, you know, begonias, which are pretty frost tender, are still looking uh, remarkably good. I was relieved, really, that the frost didn't do any damage because uh, earlier this week I had a really nice picking of lovely young runner beans. Oh, I do like runner beans. And they've been perfectly clean uh, with nothing attacking them. I wish I could say the same for the pyracantha. There's an absolute pack of pigeons uh, just stripping the berries off. I'd much rather see the uh, songbirds eating those uh, well into December rather than these great big pigeons causing such a mess and stripping the lot off. And, and mice too, with all the wet weather, they've really come into uh, the polytunnel and the sheds. Uh, they're uh, quite a pest. I noticed I've got some pots of scabious and uh, lupins growing quite nicely in the polytunnel. And, and I'm sure it is mice. They've just nibbled the leaves off and taken them, presumably to build a nest somewhere. They're not eating them. They're just nibbling them off. Boy, that is frustrating. So what's new? Well, do we have the good news or the bad news? Uh, I was uh, interested to read that Dobby's Garden Centres are joining the Royal Horticulture Society uh, shops in dropping glyphosate. I mean, people using this uh, pretty efficient systemic uh, weed killer to control deep-rooted uh, persistent weeds like Japanese knotweed might need to make sure that uh, they have enough for the immediate future use. On the good news front, uh, I just had a press release about sun patians. Now, that's a kind of busy lizzie um, that has enormous vigour, very strong root growth and makes quite a big plant. Now, this summer, or perhaps I should say last summer, there were four really big plantings in the uh, 
City of Westminster. Big displays in Whitehall Gardens. Uh, that's right beside the Houses of Parliament. Uh, in fact, if I can name drop a bit, if uh, you're invited to the Farmers Club next door to the Liberal Club, you look down on Whitehall Gardens as you look across to the Thames. So they had really big sweeps of Sampatians there and also uh, at Marble Arch, Leicester Square and Soho Square. I mean, each of those locations provided a different sort of environmental challenge. You can imagine with all the traffic going round Marble Arch be pretty demanding for uh, soft, quick-growing plants. But to San Patians, we've been uh, encouraging people to grow them for, I think, at least seven years got three awards for three of the cultivars from the Royal Horticultural Society and they are fantastic plants. If you get them in in good time, late May, early June, they really go down with their roots so they'll withstand drought pretty well, uh, soon cover the ground to uh, smother out weeds and, and are really fantastic plants. They were bred by uh, Sakata in Japan. Uh, I hope to introduce a new variety at the Chelsea Flower Show next May, just uh, to add uh, another colour and another plant form. Actually, Steve Mills, the contract manager at Continental Landscape, says that uh, sun patians performed extremely well in the hot, dry summer. The plants were quick to establish and within no time it joined together to form an uninterrupted mass of colour. An added advantage of the spreading habit that it soon smothered any weed that tried to grow, reducing the cost of weeding the flower beds during the summer. I have to mention too that there were enormous beds of them planted at the Beijing Olympics and there they found uh, that uh, the transpiration from the leaves were such that it dropped the temperature by three degrees. So there you are, fantastic colour, low maintenance and actually a drop temperature and clean the very air we breathe. What more could you wish for in a new bedding plant? Now what about the uh, week's advice? Well, if you've got anything growing under cover seedlings, cuttings and plants under glass or polythene, do have a regular look at them to check there are no pests. I mean, greenfly can really multiply uh, at this time of the year if you uh, don't give a quick look to plants. And uh, even more important, perhaps, remove any dead and yellowing leaves if they're left in place when we have uh, really damp, humid conditions in unheated greenhouses and polytunnels then that can be the perfect place for botrytis and other soft rots. So get those uh, dead and yellowing leaves cleared off and on bright days, then get the windows and doors open so that there's a good blow of fresh air through to dry off the foliage. Uh, working away at Hyde Hall, uh, there's a steady stream of people coming to uh, admire all the flowers, but they have questions. Uh, last weekend I was asked... Can I move a four-foot-high cut-leaved maple, you know, the Japanese maple? Well, that's quite a big plant. Yes, you could move it at this time of the year, but you would need to dig round it and lift it with a really big ball of soil around the roots. 
that's a two or three people job with a plant that's four feet high. You know, you dig round, I would think about 15 or so inches out from the trunk. You'll have to cut through some roots, obviously. Uh, and then you want a really strong old curtain or some kind of fabric that you roll up and then lever the plant to one side and, and unwrap the roll under the root and then tip it the other way so that you can unroll it all the way round. And then getting hold of the corners, you can lift that uh, root ball. But be careful, it can be heavy and it will want several of you. And of course, transplant it immediately. And once you have done, stake it really securely. Because in the warm soil, new roots will be made at this time of the year. And if we get a strong bit of wind and rock it about, that new root can be broken. So secure staking and uh, fingers crossed, everything should be fine. My thought for the day? Well, surely reuse and repair are better for the environment than recycle, which inevitably takes more fossil fuel, carting things about and actually recycling them. Am I alone in washing polythene bags to use again? when deep-freezing fruits and vegetables. Come on, reuse and repair. I was interested that Honda mowers have replacement spares for every part of their mower. Quite a long time ago, I was uh, involved in the bringing together of uh, two industries, really, uh, the independent garden centre operators uh, and also those working in the landscape field. Uh, the landscape work ended up with the formation of uh, the British Association of Landscape Industries and today I've got their chief executive, Wayne Grills, on the line. Now, Wayne, things have changed, I think, dramatically and unbelievably since my very early days uh, working with some of your members. Uh, uh, how big and strong an organisation are you now? And can you sort of outline a bit of what's happened over the years? Absolutely. Uh, things have changed, as, as most industries do. Um, uh, the uh, the size of the industry as it stands at the moment, I mean, horticulture-wide, um, general horticulture uh, across the industry is now a £24.2 billion industry, um, of which landscaping uh, is about £11.6 billion of that, uh, producing around uh, £5.6 billion worth of tax revenue to government and uh, employing around 568,000 people. Um, so it's a huge, huge industry. 568,000, 568, yeah, yeah. That, that's a lot of staff, isn't it? It is, it is. So, um, I mean, obviously, from British Association of Landscape Industries perspective, we, uh, as a trade association, uh, as you're aware yourself, but we've been running now since 1972. Um, so a long-established trade association looking at the reliability from a client's perspective of the members that we vet and register uh, through our membership. So we've almost uh, about 920 members, I think, today that are registered and fully vetted. Uh, we have an additional 900 members, which includes a fairly large student base as well. So uh, encouraging the students that are coming into our industry uh, to think about the, uh, the possibilities and the benefits of joining uh, an association. 
Um, and I think as far as um, our members are concerned, um, yeah, as a, as a 900 and plus uh, number, uh, they're turning over around £7.4 billion and employing just over 100,000 people. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of the size of membership within Bali these days. If, you know, I as an ordinary member of the public want my uh, garden designed and landscaped, then I should be looking for the Bali trademark, should I? Absolutely that, yeah. So uh, so we, we work on a uh, what we call a Bali registered logo. So any of our members that are registered will be listed on our website. So that's always the first and best place to check. That's barley.org.uk. Um, and um, so anybody that's on there is a current registered and fully vetted member um, so that you can use those with, um, you know, the, the thoughts in mind really from our client's perspective is that you're buying into expertise, you have uh, the quality aspect and uh, ultimately the peace of mind uh, as a client using a Bali member. Um, but yes, absolutely. Uh, it's the Bali registered logo that we encourage our members to utilise and, uh, and ask people to look out for. And the other thing that we need to watch is insurance, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, there's cowboy operators going up and down streets all over the place uh, and a number of them have uh, no qualifications and no insurance. There are some good people out there uh, that are not necessarily members of Bali, um, but it's unfortunate that we do have people that would just buy themselves a van, a bit of gardening equipment, etc., and just go off and, and do the work. Part of the the quality and the peace of mind aspect, if you like, that customers would get with a Bali member is ultimately they're buying into the fact that we have fully vetted them throughout that process. So we would be checking references uh, from trade references and customer references. Uh, we would be looking at health and safety policies. We'd be looking at insurances, all of those things in the systems that they need as a business to run and operate. Um, they have to have been trading for a minimum of two years, um, but also, and probably more importantly, is that we actually physically go out and check the quality of their workmanship. Um, and then we do that periodically uh, once they've achieved achieve their Bali membership, we do that every three years or so as well. Goodness, you actually go out and check work that they've done as a continuing process. Absolutely. It's absolutely crucial that um, we, we go out and check that quality of workmanship as it happens on the ground. You know, it's all well and good going looking at a finished garden or a finished landscape scheme. Um, but actually, what you can't see in that process is uh, working practices, for example. So you don't know whether health and safety is being followed and all of that kind of thing, unless you're going out and checking on that. And that's what we do. We send vetting officers out um, and check, um, check the quality of workmanship. Could you give me some idea of the scope of operation? I mean, I mentioned domestic gardens, but but um, your members will work presumably in public spaces, around new builds, uh, on sports grounds and all of that kind of thing. They do, absolutely. So we are, uh, well, 74% of Bali members do offer a, a domestic service, so domestic gardens. And they can range from anything from £5,000 up to millions, actually, uh, even for a domestic garden. We've had those and seen those uh, in the past and certainly entered into, into our award ceremony um, uh, that happens at the end of the year. 
I think the um, the important thing for us is that the same quality applies throughout. So it's it's about the same quality is applied in terms of the workmanship um, in a five thousand pound garden as it does on a ten million pound garden or landscape scheme. And yes, our members certainly work on public schemes, for example in the public domain. A great example of that, of course, would have been the the Olympic Park uh, back in 2012 when that was used for the Olympics uh, on the run-up to 2012 and that opening ceremony. Uh, our members were working on and around the Olympic Park for a number of years, actually, in order to get that uh, to be the pinnacle, if you like, of landscaping uh, within the UK. Well, it was certainly that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wayne, one rather simple question. How does the homeowner decide whether they want a gardener or a landscaper? Um, well, a lot of uh, a lot of the terms used by different people um, mean, in some cases, very similar things. So, um, you know, people refer to landscapers and gardeners. Um, sometimes they do mean the same thing. Um, very often, though, what we will tend to find is that professional gardeners are people that will maintain schemes um, and ensure that they're enhanced as they move forward, as opposed to constructing a garden. Um, and that's probably the way I would I would perhaps uh, put some kind of determination on. Um, um, do I need a landscape contractor or do I need a gardener? Um, gardeners will enhance. They will still plant and, and move things around within the garden. But the actual construction would generally be done uh, by a landscape contractor in the first place. And that might mean, you know, um, some heavy soils moving and that sort of thing, um, different levels within a garden, uh, all of those kind of things, and possibly even hard landscaping as well. So whether it's patios, decking, steps, all of those kind of things generally um, would be done um, by a landscape contractor. So I think it depends on what people's needs are as to what they might need. But, you know, I would always say if somebody wants that advice, it's always better to come to somebody like the British Association of Landscape Industries um, to get that advice. And we're happy to give that advice out. From my point of view, you work landscapers at something of a disadvantage because all the building work has to be done first. And if that overruns, the poor old landscaper has his work period shortened and shortened, as far as I can see, standing on the outside. It does. And you might you might run the risk of getting me on my soapbox at this moment in time. But, um... Oh, really? Go on, have a go. <laughs> Get on your soapbox. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I continually talk about, whether it be in industry meetings uh, or meetings with clients or, or uh, specifiers of landscape schemes, is that we should be looking at um, really building in 
from day one, you know, the, the landscape contractors in terms of their ability, their skills and their advice uh, that comes along with that. So I think, you know, even large public schemes, for me, it's about forward procurement uh, and forward contracting um, and then making sure that there is sufficient funds in that pot for the landscaping schemes um, and also probably more so for the for the maintenance thereafter as well. As a maintaining, I mean, you, you'll get me on my soapbox now because, you know, <laughs> you're near, you'll see a new supermarket or residential home or something open. The landscapers have gone in in the last minute and absolutely stuffed it full of plants just to get the yeah. ground cover. And then two or three years later, it's all overgrown and one hell of a mess because not enough money was spent at the outset and money put to one side to maintain it properly. Absolutely that. Yeah, absolutely that. And we see the same thing happening at the moment within local authorities uh, with regards to parks and gardens. Um, you know, parks and gardens are suffering on the back of that. Um, there is a, a lack of people within the industry with those skill sets on the back of that. Bali is, uh, has launched a Go Landscape initiative, which uh, is looking at trying to encourage people into the industry uh, as, a, as a credible career option and suitable career pathways. I think that skill certainly has been diminishing over the years. Um, and uh, as I say, parks and gardens is just one aspect of that, where the funding through the local authorities is just not available anymore. Now, you mentioned your awards. They must help putting a focus on the best work, so to speak. Can you give us some idea of, of the categories that you have for your Bali Awards? Um, yeah, so <clears throat> so we, we uh, have a range of categories. I think there's probably about um, 29 categories in total. So that sounds a lot, but uh, we split them basically into domestic and public schemes um, and commercial. So we would have different bandings. So we would have domestic gardens up to 30,000, for example, and then it goes beyond 30,000 to 60,000, 60,000 to 150,000, and so on and so forth. And then uh, we do the same on the commercial schemes as well. So it'll be, you know, perhaps under 500,000, over 500,000, um, where you've got the commercial landscape schemes being installed as well. And then, of course, that runs through. So it will be external landscaping, internal landscaping, in terms of interiors um, and um, and then we have an international category which is also very popular and uh, and then what we do is the way we run that is that body members would be submitting their schemes earlier in the year again we physically go out and have a look at these schemes so we have a panel of judges um, that would go out and look at those over the sort of five six weeks of summer check the schemes check the quality check that the clients are happy with the job that's being done and uh, and then recommend them at the adjudication process which takes about three days at the end of august we announced what we call the Bali award winners so those that are producing and demonstrating excellence in landscaping in september and then our award ceremony in december is literally about looking at the best of those schemes in each category so we award what we call a principal winner in that in each of the categories um, and then at the end of the ceremony um, it, everything sort of culminates into uh, choosing a grand award winner um, and again what for the last three years we have had um, a thousand people now so we've been at sellout capacity um, 
at the Grosvenor House Hotel uh, on Park Lane in London um, for the last three years, uh, which shows that it's got some great support in the industry. Uh, thousand members and their customers, clients and staff uh, come and celebrate. Uh, it's a great achievement to, to win a Bali Award. Um, and it's the one thing that people in our industry really search for. And what we try and encourage to do is to get more of our existing members uh, submitting awards into the award ceremony purely and simply because sometimes some people think they you know their schemes are not good enough but actually they are so we've had a an increased number this year i think we had 17 new entrants into the awards this year which is always good to see and the most entries since 2009 so for the last 10 years we've seen more entries this year than uh, than previous years so so it's great it's just going from strength to strength for those people who are interested how do they find out who's won your awards I think we'd all be interested to know who won the Grand Award. So the main Bali website is barley.org.uk. Um, but we also have a second landing page for the awards, and that's barleyawards.co.uk. Um, so, but they can be both accessed from each other. There's links between the two. Um, so as long as you head towards barley.org.uk, you can find pretty much anything that you need uh, on there, including the winners of the awards, which will all be listed once we've made the announcements. We spoke about changes at the beginning of this interview. Uh, and what's happening with roof gardens and vertical gardening? Oh, it's just absolutely taking off at the moment. I mean, roof gardens and, and vertical gardening or living walls, as people refer to them sometimes, um, uh, you know, have been around for a number of years. But I think the systems that support those uh, have been developed, in particular on the living walls, um, the systems that now support them in terms of irrigation um, and the, uh, the mechanism that the plants are put into uh, has been developed in, in such a good way that they're now lasting much longer um, and uh, of course they still need maintenance like any garden um, so the vertical walls can, can pose a bit of an issue in that respect uh, depending on how high the buildings are and how high the uh, the wall is so to speak the living wall um, roof gardens and podium gardens um, again are um, you know very very common uh, you'll see an awful lot now if you took an aerial shot of London for example you'll see a, a huge amount of roof gardens um, uh, now across the site of London um, in in terms of uh, people making sure that they're maximising the green space that they've got available. And of course, you know, the industry offers great health benefits and well-being benefits um, on the back of green spaces and green infrastructure. Well, I can tell you, Wayne, that here at the news building, uh, just opposite the Shard at London Bridge, staff uh, restaurant is on the 14th floor. And as I look across the river... I can see quite a number of tree-filled roof gardens. I'd love to know how I could get up into some of them. You know, I, I, I think I need a drone to just lift me up and take me across the river. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and technology like drones are being used more and more now, of course, in, in terms of landscaping and the schemes, etc. But there are there are some lovely schemes on those rooftops, which generally can't be seen apart from, you know, particularly where they're private access, um, uh, other than the people that have access to them, which is a great shame in some ways. But um, but obviously the um, the benefits that that produces environmentally uh, and sustainably um, make a, a great contribution to the, to the climate. Wayne, most interesting, all you have to say, and I wait with uh, bated breath uh, to hear uh, who your grand award winner is uh, and who the other award winners are. Peter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. There is no end.
My thanks to Hayloft, sponsors of this podcast. And also, my producer this week, Rich Jarman. I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.